Well, welcome to week number two of our three-part series called A New Season. The purpose of this series is to prepare for the next season of our church that begins with the coming of Pastor Philip, our new senior pastor. And last week, Pastor Ed preached on the pastor's role in a healthy church. And this morning, we're going to take a look at what it means to be a healthy church member. Now, that may be a surprising title in the midst of a pandemic, but the truth is, it's Pastor Ed's fault. You see, because he served as an interim pastor in other churches, he's actually preached a series like this before. And so he gave me the title, the text, and some notes uh, for the message this morning. All I needed to do was take those notes and remove all of the grammatical and spelling errors, and, and there were a lot of those. I needed to include some scripture because there, there wasn't much of that. Um, I needed to add some illustrations, some points, an introduction, a conclusion, and uh, voila, I had a sermon. So thank you so much, Pastor Ed, for that. So we're taking these three weeks to prepare ourselves for the new season that the Lord is bringing our church into. And that may beg the question, why is it that we even need to prepare? Well, new seasons require preparation, don't they? Every spring, I've got sort of a process that I, uh, that I complete. I bring out the patio furniture, the hoses. Uh, I set up the electric mosquito uh, zapper, and I pray that it has a profitable season. And then every fall, I reverse the process. Because if you don't prepare for the next season, oftentimes it's going to make it more difficult for you or even more expensive. And as a church, we joyfully affirm that the Lord has brought us Pastor Philip as our new senior pastor. I'm personally excited because I believe Pastor uh, Philip will lead our church well. I also believe that he is a humble man. Now, is he as humble as I am? <laughs> no, no, he's not. Uh, at least not by my measurement, but few people are. And so I don't think we should hold that against him, but he actually is a humble man. But also I believe that he exemplifies the attitude that the Apostle Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 11. In that passage, he described all of the physical difficulties that he went through in his ministry. He talked about being shipwrecked and beaten and stoned and often going hungry and without sleep. And yet he says on top of all that, verse 28, besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? And you know, that is the burden that the Lord lays on his servants, particularly solo pastors and senior pastors. But Pastor Philip will not be alone. In addition to the staff and the leadership of the church, he has the entire body of Christ here at Moody Church to help him, to come alongside and help him fulfill God's call upon his life. But not just to fulfill it, but to do it with joy. Consider what the author of Hebrews wrote in Hebrews 13, 17. He wrote, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I actually am not eager to hear Pastor Philip groan every time he passes me in the hallway or we're sitting in a meeting together. No, I want him to serve the Lord here with great joy. And I want the same thing for Krista, for her to love to be a part of our church family. And for their kids, Claire and Violet and Cora and Jude, I want them to think that the greatest thing in the world is that their father is the senior pastor of Moody Church. And I believe that's what all of us want. And so it's good for us to prepare ourselves for this new season of our church by being reminded of what God's word calls us to do as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so how do we prepare for a new pastor in a new season? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about this morning from a couple of different passages, beginning in Psalm 84, but then looking at John 17, 21. Psalm 84 is a wonderful and worshipful psalm. 
And it will help us prepare for this new season because it describes what it looks like when a man or a woman is fulfilling the greatest commandment, to love the Lord their God with all they are and all they have. And from that love flows every good thing. So let's read Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful psalm? Well, this morning my hope is to give you some encouragement and instruction by looking at three qualities of a healthy church member. And we begin with this one. The first quality of a healthy church member is that they are present in worship. Present in worship. In this passage, we see a very simple idea beginning in verse 1, and it's expanded throughout the psalm. Healthy church members are present in worship. And so as I overlook our beautiful but empty sanctuary, I realize that in the very first quality of a healthy church member, all of you have failed. You're not present, you're absent. So obviously we have a long way to go. But actually you are present, right? You're present in the sense that you are virtually here, and that's important. But the psalm isn't simply talking about showing up, right? I mean, let's be honest. There are some people who come to Moody Church on Sundays, but they never make it into the sanctuary. And there are those who make it into the sanctuary, but never engage in worship. And neither of those describes a healthy church member. Present is either a new concept or it's something that I've just not paid attention to before. The idea usually requires physical presence, but the idea is more mental and emotionally present. Has someone ever said to you, you're here, but you're not really here? What they're saying is that you're not present. You know, if I had a nickel for every time someone said that to me, I would have enough money to be present anywhere in the world, and I could probably fly there first class. But I am trying. I've heard it, but I am trying. But the psalmist didn't want people simply to go to the temple, right? He wasn't saying, Lord, I love your house. It's beautiful, and I can't wait to see my friends. That's how some of us feel right now. What he was saying was, I love to be near you. I want to be in your presence because I love you. And in verse 7, he calls the Lord his shield, his protector, his defender in a dangerous world. And his son, the source of light, the source of warmth and direction. And listen to how he describes his delight in the Lord. In verses 1 and 2. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints. He's like out of breath. It faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. 
In verse four, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. I mean, consider the words that he, that he used. Lovely, longs, yes, faints, sing for joy, blessed. So let me ask you, do you long to worship the Lord this way? Do you long to be in his presence? And do you realize that any other approach to the Lord is just foolish? It's even wickedness. I mean, how else should we come to a holy and all-loving and all-powerful God? With indifference? Of course not. The time the church worships together should be a time of great joy and anticipation. But we are often distracted by a hundred lesser things that hinder us, diminish our anticipation and joy. They distract us from being fully present. And it's understandable. We all struggle with it. But I hope that you can see just how foolish that is and how costly it is. What did Jesus teach us about worship? Consider John chapter 4 verses 23 and 24. But the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Many of you have heard that that passage before. Being present in worship means that we are engaged with our hearts and our minds. The psalmist said that those who live for the worship of the Lord, they are happy and they are blessed. And if we believe that, if we truly believe that, that we will work, we will work hard to be fully engaged in worship, not just corporately on Sunday mornings or Sunday nights, but all of our worship, corporate and individual, wherever you are. One pastor that I knew many years ago, I remember him saying that on Saturday nights, he used to go through the church bulletin and he would pray through the service the next morning and he would sing the songs that they were going to sing on Sunday morning. Now you may do something like that or something else, but I would encourage you to be prepared for all your worship. In particular, Sunday morning when we gather together and that should change what you do on Saturday night, right? In anticipation and joy of worshiping the Lord together. Worship should change us. When we are in the presence of the Lord and worshiping him, in the presence of his holiness, our sin is mercifully exposed so that we can confess it and forsake it. And being in the presence of the Lord also increases our awe for him. And it gives us a greater desire to be with him and to please him in all respects. Look again at verse 10, Psalm 84, verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. That's a remarkable statement. It's like he's saying, I'd rather be in God's presence for one day only than 1,000 days doing other things that I love. Watching movies, spending time with my family, fishing, eating, gardening, exercising, whatever it is that brings you joy. It's not that these things are bad. Of course they're not. They're good. Many of them are gifts from the Lord. It's just that they pale in comparison to being in the presence of the Lord. And when someone tells you that you look pale, it's not a compliment. All of these things, they're good, but they pale in comparison. Every other enjoyable thing, in comparison to the worship of the Lord, they look pale, they look sickly. The psalmist also declares, I would rather be a doorkeeper, or as one commentator put it, a janitor. I'd rather be a janitor, the, the lowly position uh, in the house of the Lord, than dwell in the tents of wickedness with all of the passing pleasures of sin that that offers. In short, he desired the Lord above everything else. 
What's fascinating is that the authors of this psalm, the sons of Korah, they actually worked in the temple. And so their longing for the Lord wasn't a result of being separated from him. It wasn't they're like, we, we got to get back to the presence of the God. Remember how wonderful it was? What fueled their desire to be with the Lord was being with him, was being in his presence. It simply fed their desire to be with him even more. Isn't that wonderful? And it's true for us as well. The more time we spend present in worship, corporate and individual, the more we love the Lord. And that is seeing the Lord rightly. That is being present in worship. And being present in worship, it purifies and it, and it strengthens our desires, making us healthy church members. So the second quality of a healthy church member, present with the church, present with the church. The psalmist describes his delight at being in the presence of the Lord in the temple. And even though his focus is on the Lord, no one was ever at the temple alone, right? There were also uh, attendants and servants and priests and fellow worshipers. The temple was usually a crowded place, but you can see from this psalm that he turns his attention to his fellow worshipers in verses four through seven. In verse four, he said, blessed are those who dwell in your house. So he's not just thinking of himself, but his brothers and sisters. Verse five, blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. In other words, in their heart, in their desires always to get back to the temple where the special presence of the Lord was. Verse six, as they go through the valley of Baca, which is the valley of weeping, the Valley of Tears. They make it a place of springs. In other words, they rise above their circumstances because of their love for the Lord, their anticipation at being in his presence. And then verse seven, they go from strength to strength to appear before the Lord. That is, they are encouraged and encouraging one another because of their love for God and their desire to meet with him. Wonderful, wonderful descriptions of worship and the blessing of knowing the Lord. And you know, when we become followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are joined together into God's family, the church, brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world throughout all eternity. We will spend with them. You and I are never alone, not only because of the presence of the Lord, but because this multitude of brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, but also in our local church family. But not everyone feels that, right? Sometimes we feel alone and perhaps right now you're new enough to Moody Church or, or not engaged enough where you do feel alone. And it's one of, the, one of the reasons why we emphasize how to connect with others because we understand how important that is. But sadly, it still happens. And this past week, I, I read a true story about a woman that illustrates this. She was catching up with a friend of hers in the sanctuary before the worship service. And all of a sudden she noticed a woman sitting all by herself. And this is what she wrote. Honestly, I wished I hadn't seen her. Interrupting my friend would be rude. It's good for me to invest in my friends. Someone else would likely spot that woman. These were some of the excuses that ran through my mind. But the woman was clearly new and for all I knew, not a believer. So reluctantly, I interrupted my friend. As soon as I sat down with the newcomer, I thanked God that I had. Raised Catholic, she hadn't been to church in over a decade. Her fiance had just broken up with her right before their wedding and she needed something else in life. I took a risk and I asked her if she'd like to come to our community group. She said yes. And she's been coming to church and Bible study ever since. And you don't know how the Lord might use you in someone's life just like that. The author concluded by sharing three rules that she and her husband have adopted in the church. I think they're very helpful. One, an alone person in our gatherings is an emergency. Number two, 
Your friends can wait. Number three, introduce newcomers to someone else. Help them get connected. Isn't that a wonderful way of handling this? It's a wonderful way of looking out for the needs of other people. No one should ever be alone in our church. We need to not only be present and engaged for worship, but also present and relationally engaged with other people. You know, to be a healthy church member, you have to value other people's needs before your own. You have to put them first. You know, it's one thing to love the idea of church, and it's another thing to love this church and all the people God brings here. Loving this church is more difficult because we're all flawed, right? Sometimes we say things we shouldn't say. We don't ask for forgiveness all the time. We get defensive when we're called out. We make a commitment we don't follow through. We leave dirty dishes in the sink and so on. I'm, I'm going to stop right there so we don't start hating our church. But consider what the author of Hebrews said about being present in the church from Hebrews chapter 10. He wrote this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. How important is that for all of us? Being present doesn't just mean showing up. It means encouraging one another all the more as Christ's return draws near. And God has given you the power to do just that. Do you realize that we are encouraging or discipling each other all the time through the big things we do and even through the little things that we do? Perhaps you see a brother in Christ helping a senior saint up the stairs. Or you look and you see two people arm in arm praying for one another in tears. Or someone comes up to you and says, you know, the Lord put you on my mind this week and I've been praying for you. How are you doing? In all these ways and hundreds of ways more, God has designed us to encourage and to disciple one another so that we can become more like Christ. We need each other. And you know, God longs for us to be unified as members of his body. Consider what Jesus said in his high priestly prayer in John 17, beginning of verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. So that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That's his desire. Being present in the church helps us to prepare for this new season because we are fulfilling Jesus' prayer that we would be one. And by so doing, we are poised to move forward, unified with power to do all that God is calling us to do to advance his kingdom. And that's what all of God's people desire, amen? The third and final quality of a healthy church member is that we are present in the mission. John 17, 21 leads me to my final point. God's mission includes you and me, but it doesn't stop with you and me. We are granted unity, John writes, so that the world may believe that Jesus is the Messiah sent by the Father. There's one body. We have one mission. To share Jesus with people who are far from God. That's what unifies us. Without a unified presentation of the church, The reputation of the church is damaged by our bickering and our selfish pursuits. But by being unified in the mission around Jesus Christ, being fully present in worship, in relationships, and in the mission, Christ is exalted in spite of our moral and spiritual failings. And I think being present in the mission means at least three things. The first is you have to know the mission, right? We are called to make disciples of all nations. 
All of us have a part in that. A different part, according to God's gifting and wiring, but all of us have a part. We need to know the mission. Secondly, we need to buy into the mission, right? It's not enough to know it. We say, yeah, that's, that's something that I need to be doing. And then third, we need to be engaged in the mission. So knowing it, buying into it, being engaged in the mission. And so when you're present in the mission, you do more than just show up, but you have to show up. And you are aware of what God is doing in you and through you, because he's doing things through you all the time and through your brothers and sisters in Christ and through the community to advance the kingdom of God. We participate in the mission together by the power of Christ and no one should ever have to do that alone. We must all be present in the mission. And I would encourage you, commit to the fact that no one that you see is ever alone in the mission. Always be ready, if at all possible, to jump in when asked. You know, our unity in Christ is something that the world admires, but it can't have. There's nothing that it can do to, to mimic the unity that we have because of Christ. It's just a pale comparison. And that unity is something that God has given to us because it is essential for us as we prepare for this new season of our church. And I also think it's one of the best gifts that we can give to Pastor Philip, a unified church. Let me close by identifying some unhealthy attitudes that we might be tempted with in this new season. Now, I don't think these attitudes are prevalent in our church, although I have seen them. But we are not ignorant of the devil's schemes. He wants to divide us. He wants to discourage us. And so I think it would be wise for us to guard against them. So we'll begin with unhealthy attitudes that we might bring into this new season. And the first one is skepticism. And it could be the question, okay, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? The second one is criticism. Oh, now he's done it. I can't believe what he just did. The third one would be resistance. You might say, well, not on my watch. That's not going to happen while I'm here. And then the fourth one is, I don't really care what he does. I'm not engaged. I'm not present. And so how do we fight against that? I think there's four relatively simple ways. The first is this. We fight skepticism with an acknowledgement of God's sovereignty. God has brought the Miller family to our church. And the vote was such that all of us are responsible for that, right? It was overwhelmingly approved. But we trust that God has brought him here for this season with his strengths and his weaknesses, but it's the doing of our Heavenly Father. And so, so don't be skeptical. Trust in the sovereignty of God. Next, criticism should be met with support. It's easy to criticize. It's much more difficult to contribute, right? But there's a lot of different ways that you can support Pastor Philip and support the leadership in this new season. It could be by raising questions. Maybe there's something you see that you don't like, or you're pretty strongly convinced it's unbiblical. Well, don't be silent. You can raise those questions, those concerns, the insight that God has given you. We believe in the, the priesthood of believers. I have to say one of the most disappointing things in my time as a pastor is when I find someone who's left the church and I hear from somebody else that they were disappointed, they were discouraged, they didn't agree with something. But to my knowledge, they never came and spoke to anybody. If God has called you to Moody Church for this season, don't leave until you're convinced God has called you somewhere else. But one of the ways that you can help our church is not by criticizing it, but by supporting Pastor Philip and the leadership and letting us know what the Lord is, is revealing to you. And then finally, apathy is met with sensitivity, right? You actually care. That's what God has called us to do. So my prayer is that for us as a church, we would not be skeptical or critical or resist Pastor Phillips' leadership or be apathetic because what God wants to accomplish in and through our church is wonderful. You know, these truths I, I recognize, they're not difficult to understand. These are the basics. But sometimes the most basic principles are the ones that get 
get us tripped up on. I usually tell that to couples in, in counseling or in premarital counseling. You know, marriage isn't rocket science. If you think it is, you're probably doing something wrong. But it's usually the basic principles that cause us trouble. Selfishness, insensitivity, a lack of forgiveness, laziness, and so on. Over the past five plus years, the Lord has been preparing the Moody Church for this new season. And I believe that we are ready. I want to thank you, Moody Church, because I believe your faithfulness and your goodness and encouragements and support have kept us walking with the Lord, kept us doing well. And you've enabled not only me, but our staff to serve here with great joy. Thank you. Finally, I would like to say that I am very excited to have Pastor Philip and Chris to come and be our, our, our pastor. I am confident that the Lord will use him and Krista to lead our church well. He knows that he is dependent upon the Lord. He is a humble man. And a church that is led by a man who knows that he is dependent upon the Lord, and a church that is present in worship, present in the church, and present in the mission, is a church that God will do wonderful and powerful things through for the glory of his name. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your faithfulness over these last five and a half years. And now, Lord, I ask that you would speak to each one of us individually. What is it that we need to do to be prepared for this new season? We want to be faithful. We want to be present in all these respects, fully engaged in all that you call us to, because we want your kingdom to expand and your name to be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.